Well, good morning. Welcome to church, everyone. So excited you guys are joining us, whether you're here live at South Portland Church or you're watching us online this morning. Today we're in part two of this new fall series called Spiritual Warfare, where we've been looking at these unseen spiritual forces that are at work in our lives and in the world around us. Last week we said that there is a very real spiritual world beyond what our eyes can just see, but that it's very real and it impacts the physical world that we live in. Now today I want to talk with you about the reality and the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we talk about the Holy Spirit, let me just tell you up front um, that as a kid, I started going to school like in middle school, but I remember as a middle school student, um, I didn't really understand anything about the Holy Spirit. And when I was growing up, whenever I heard about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, as it was called in, in my church, um, it kind of creeped me out a little bit. It was kind of a little bit spooky, a little bit kind of like a Halloween kind of thing. And, and I understood the idea of this trinity of God. I understood, you know, God the Father. I was lucky enough to, to grow up with a, a loving dad. Um, I could understand, you know, God the Son. I'm a son. I've seen, you know, paintings and artists' renditions of, of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, that just seemed a little bit weird. Seemed a little bit scary. In fact, whenever I heard about a church that was, you know, really into the Holy Spirit, um, they were usually like a weird church, in my opinion. I, I envisioned, you know, people playing tambourines like the Hare Krishnas at the airport and speaking in weird unknown languages or, or trying to bind demons and cast them out. And, and I think a lot of people have had similar thoughts when it comes to the topic of the Holy Spirit, which has really led, in my opinion, unfortunately to many churches just not talking a lot about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in many churches has, has really become the forgotten God, the forgotten part of the Trinity of God. It's kind of like that weird relative that nobody brings up at Thanksgiving dinner. We, we know there's a Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's, it's usually for those, those weird people over there, not for us. But as I study the scriptures, what I find is that the Holy Spirit is absolutely and completely necessary and essential to live the kind of life that God wants us to live as followers of Jesus. God wants to, to fill us with his Holy Spirit so that we can live a supernatural life pleasing to God and so that we can actually have victory in our life over sin. Now, here at our church, we like clearing up confusion by looking at what Scripture, looking at what the Bible has to say on a topic. And we like to get a biblical understanding on who and exactly what is the Holy Spirit and what role does it play in the life of a follower of Jesus. And my prayer today is that we would all hopefully grow today to know a little bit better, a little bit more intimately, the presence and power of God through his Holy Spirit. So let's begin this morning with a, with a word of prayer together and ask God to, to prepare and to open our minds and hearts to receive what it is he wants to show us. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this day. We thank you um, for the incredible blessing of your Holy Spirit in this world. And Father God, I just pray that you would, you would help prepare our minds and hearts to receive what it is that you want to teach us today about your Holy Spirit. Father God, help us to be able to, to have our eyes see and our ears, our ears hear 
so that we can embrace truth from you, Father God, that we can apply into our lives so that we can move from the smaller story of us to the greater story that you have for us in our lives. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in John 14, Jesus, as he's uh, comforting his disciples, he explains to them that he's getting ready to go away. He said, I've accomplished what I came to do. I've died on the cross. I've rose again. I'm going to be leaving. But I want you to know that I'm going to send someone that's going to be even better. And so here's what it says in John 14, verse 16 and 17. Jesus said this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. These words of Jesus really teach us a lot about who the Holy Spirit is. First of all, the Holy Spirit is not a vague it or a gut feeling. He's a he, he's a person. He's the third part of the Trinity of God. Second, we learn that people who are not believers will not understand the idea of the Holy Spirit because they can't see him. So for those of you joining us today who are not followers of Jesus, first off, we're, we're super glad that you're here and you're joining us today. But you might be going, this all sounds kind of wacko to me. Well, it's going to feel that way if you haven't yet received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And Jesus went on to say this. He said that not only will the Holy Spirit be with you, but here's what's amazing. The Holy Spirit will also live inside of you if you're a follower of Christ. Now, I want you to understand the significance of what that means. That means if you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God, the very same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. You can hear from God. You can have the power of God if you're a spirit-filled follower of Jesus, active in your life. Growing up, I always um, thought to myself, if I could just have Jesus around with me like the disciples did, like how much better would life be? How cool would that be? Imagine I'm walking along with Jesus, something goes wrong, Jesus could just go poof, all of a sudden everything's good again. We're low on food. I only got one munchkin left in the box from Dunkin' Donuts, right? We step into a room with 5,000 people. Jesus go, poof, munchkins for everyone, okay? It would be amazing. We're walking along the street. Our dog runs out in the street. Bam, gets hit by a car. Jesus could be like, Lassie, get up. We got Frankenweenie. The dog's back to life again, right? If a cat ran into the street and got hit, bam, Jesus would do the funeral right there. Bury that cat, right? It'd be amazing. If, if I was about to sin and do something wrong, I was feeling tempted, I'd just look over and there's Jesus and I'd stop because Jesus is with me. How could it get any better than that? Well, Jesus shows us how it could get better. He said it this way in John 16, 7. He said this, but, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Scripture says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's our counselor. He gives us wisdom and support. I mean, he's our guide. He's our comforter. He's our advocate. He's the one that's going to give us power to fulfill all the things that God would want us to do 
in our life in this world. So today we're going to look at five really specific things that, that the Holy Spirit will give you the power to do in the name of God if you're a follower of Christ. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Number one, the Holy Spirit gives the power of salvation. The Holy Spirit gives the power of salvation. The Spirit of God, by his pervenient grace, draws us to Jesus. In fact, even before we know about God, even before we have an understanding about God, God's grace, his pervenient grace, guided by the Holy Spirit, is directing us and moving us and pointing us towards God. Look at the world around you. Look at the stars in the sky. Look at the sun rising every day. Look at the air you breathe. Look at all these things that are a gift from God. There is a world that is so much bigger than you. And there's an intelligent designer behind all of that. The provenient grace moves in personal relationships we have. People who maybe share Christ with us or have been an influence with us or show us an incredible reflection of the love of God in our lives that teacher, that small group leader, that parent, that grandparent. You know, a, a good example of this um, idea of the Holy Spirit giving us the power of salvation is seen through Jesus' conversation in Scripture with a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. Now, this guy, Nicodemus, he didn't want his Pharisee buddies to know that he was going to go talk with Jesus because Jesus really wasn't liked by the Pharisees. They were threatened by him. And so Nicodemus sneaks out at night to see Jesus. This was the original Nick at night, okay? And so he gets to Jesus, and he finds Jesus, and he says, Jesus, you're amazing. I mean, you did all the, I've seen these miracles that you've done. You've got to be from God. Tell me, please, what do I need to do to get to heaven? What do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, Nick, you need to be born again. And he's like, what you talking about, Jesus? How can I do that? How can I be born again? Can I go back into my mom's belly? Like, that's weird, Jesus. I can't do that. And then Jesus says this in John 3, verses 5 and 6. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the Spirit. In other words, Nick, your mom's water broke one day and she gave physical birth to you. But your heavenly Father wants to give you a spiritual birth where you can be spiritually born again, a new creation in God. When you invite me to be Savior and Lord of your life, that's what happens. Your sins are cast away and the Holy Spirit of God can then fill you and start to transform you from the inside out. So number one, the Holy Spirit gives us the power of salvation. Number two, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to be in God's will. It guides us. It directs us. It helps keep us in God's will. When you don't know where to go or, or what to say, you don't even know if you're going to be able to make it through the week or even the day, the Holy Spirit can guide you and lead you to walk and stay in the will of God. For example, listen to Jesus in John 14, verse 26. He says this, he says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Imagine that. The Holy Spirit is your teacher that's going to lead you to walk in God's will. So, so let's say you're somewhere, you don't know what to do. You pray and you listen 
and the Holy Spirit starts to direct you. Or, or maybe you're just walking by someone in the street and the Holy Spirit leads you to reach out to that person. You just feel this tug on your heart. I need to have a conversation with them. Or you're having a conversation, you don't know what to say, and you listen. And the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. It's God speaking to you, leading you to walk, to stay, to be guided, and to be in his will. And you feel it in your heart. You feel it in your soul. The Holy Spirit can also be kind of like an early warning system for you. There's something dangerous. Watch out. I wouldn't do that. That might not be a wise choice. You're out of God's will. Stop. Come back. Step by step, you follow the voice of the Spirit. And he leads you to walk in God's will. So number one, the Holy Spirit gives you the power of salvation. Number two, the Holy Spirit gives you the power to walk in God's will. Number three, the Holy Spirit gives you the power to share Christ boldly. He will give you the power, the wisdom, the words to share the message of Jesus boldly with people. Look, look at the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2. He, he said that my message... My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but my message came with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but instead, instead, on God's power. Paul said, I'm not the most eloquent speaker, you know, but I communicate with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. That's one of the things I love about preaching. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a good preacher. I, I, my personality, I'm actually very introverted. It's very difficult for me to get up in front of people and to speak. I'm just not a great speaker. But it's not about me. God can take an imperfect person like me, and by the power of his Holy Spirit, he can use me as a vessel to unpack his truth in such a way that it could directly speak to somebody's heart, somebody's life. Not for my glory. It's not about me becoming famous or popular. It's for God's glory. I might say something and then bam, the Holy Spirit comes and just personalizes it for you. And you walk away going, that preacher was speaking directly to me this morning. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit of God speaking to your heart. He will say things to you sometimes that don't even come out of my mouth in a service. One time I, I preached a message. I remember this. I, I preached a message on tithing. For those of you who don't know, the, the biblical principle of tithing is about generosity. It's about giving God first place in your finances. A tithe means a tenth. It's a biblical principle to give back to God the first 10% of all we earn, that God gives us 100% of everything. He gives us our lives, our brain, our body, the ability to work, all of these things, free gift from God. He gives us 100%. We give 10% back. And this principle teaches us to be generous. It also allows the church to operate and function and do ministry. And it shows us, it teaches us that we can never outgive God. Because even when we stretch ourselves financially, God always comes through. But when it comes to giving God first place in our finances, this is really scary for people. In fact, this is really scary for many Christians. This is often the very last thing people are able to release and surrender to God. In fact, most people run from church whenever we do a message or a series on money. 
If we do a series on finances or tithing or things like that, attendance actually drops during that series. And Jesus actually knew that. In fact, he taught that the biggest competitor with God for our heart was not Satan, but it was money. So one time I preached a message on tithing, and and this gentleman comes to me at the end of the service, and he's very emotional, and he he says, Pastor, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you so much for this week's message. It really made me think about how I need to be a better husband to my wife, and I've decided that I want to surrender my life to Christ. I I want Jesus to be my Savior. And, And I was thinking, say what? Like, my reaction was like, like, that's great, dude, but are you sure you were in our church this morning? Because I wasn't talking about marriage. I was preaching on money. So what was that? I mean, that's the Holy Spirit. That's why I hate it when people ditch church because of a series or a topic or a guest speaker. I mean, what arrogance, right? If you have an open heart, God can speak to you through any message when his word is preached. And just, like, and just like the Holy Spirit works through me in a church service, the Holy Spirit works through you when you're sharing Jesus with somebody. And you may think, you know, I don't know what to say. I'm so nervous. And all of a sudden, God shows up and you have this boldness as you speak or as you pray. And you start sharing your story. You start sharing your testimony. And the next thing you know, you're quoting a verse from Scripture, and you don't even realize how it's coming out of your mouth. You're going, where did that come from? I didn't even know that I I knew a Bible verse. I mean, later you'll go and look it up just to make sure that it's really there. That's the Holy Spirit guiding you, giving you divine boldness. You, You might see someone who's struggling. You might have someone in your life who's hurting. They're going through a storm. And you're like, do you mind if I, I, I pray with you? And in your head, you're thinking, oh, crap, I can't believe I just said that. I'm terrible at praying. I don't even know how to pray. Every time I pray, I sound like Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights, right? Dear six-pound, eight-ounce, tiny baby Jesus in your golden fleece diapers. Don't pray like that, by the way. But you think, I'm just not good at prayer. I'm terrible. And the next thing you know, you start praying this powerful prayer that comes out of nowhere, I mean, they're, snot, they're sobbing. They've got snot bubbles coming out of their nose. And you're, and you're thinking, what just happened? What was that? That's the Holy Spirit coming upon you, a regular, ordinary, jacked-up person, giving you the power to share the love of Jesus with somebody else. The Holy Spirit gives you the power of salvation. It gives you the power to walk in God's will. It guides you. It gives you the power to share Christ boldly. And then this, number four, if you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit gives you the power to live a holy life. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to live a holy life. It gives us the ability to live a holy life in a sinful world. Romans 8.5 says it like this. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Before a person knows Jesus, it is so easy to be dominated by sin. You know, go ahead and scream at your kid. Go ahead and 
talk down to or yell at your spouse. Go ahead and think those lustful thoughts. Without God's Holy Spirit, we are very vulnerable, very, very vulnerable to the temptations of our spiritual enemy, the evil one, Satan. But when we know Jesus, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit gives us the power to have victory over sin in our lives, to be able to live a life of holiness. And and as we live in a love relationship with God, as we go all in with him, we've talked about this the last few weeks, as we say, God, you're my first love. You can have first place in every area of my life. Not my will be done. Thy will be done. God, you can have it all. He fills us with this Holy Spirit, and we start to change. It's that idea of sanctification. We start to to think of the things that please him instead of our own selfishness. We start to lean into God. And day by day, step by step, we become more and more and more like his son, Jesus. Paul continues in Romans 8, 6 and says this. He says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Think about it this way. Before you're a follower of Jesus, I mean, sinning is fun. It, it can be a total blast. Some of you are like, I'm, I'm not so sure about that, Pastor. I don't think the topic of sin is very fun. I don't think that's fun. Then you weren't doing it right, okay? Because sin can be fun. That's why people do it. That's why they get caught into it. That's why they become ensnared in it. But guess what? It always leads to something. Sin always leads to death and destruction. The destruction of your health, the death of a relationship, the death of your future. But before you're a follower of Jesus, sinning is fun and easy. Once you become a follower of Jesus and you go all in with God and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, sinning is hard. It actually makes you feel miserable. It makes you feel guilty. You fall into some sin and you immediately feel convicted. And you're like, I shouldn't be doing this. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is active in your life and is convicting you and guiding you. No, no. You want to live a holy life. And when you're filled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit helps show you a way out of sin and helps you to live a holy life. It it helps us to start cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These give you the power to be able to live a holy life. Last one, number five, the Holy Spirit gives the power of spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit, when he fills you, he will give you certain spiritual gifts Every follower of Christ gets at least one, Scripture says, from the Holy Spirit. You might get more than one. But these are gifts that that you don't have the power to do on your own. They're gifts that come directly from God, and they empower you to make a difference in the world. Here's how God's Word says it in Hebrews 2. It says this in Hebrews 2, 4, that God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. God will give you certain gifts by his Holy Spirit. What are some examples? Well, Scripture says that God may give some of you supernatural wisdom that you didn't have before. 
Some of you may have the gift of discernment. You can just discern certain things about people or places, and you don't understand why. Some of us have an incredible gift of giving. Some have the gift of serving. You just love to serve. You're just great at serving. Every time you serve, it makes a difference. It impacts somebody's life. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. Whenever someone is down, they love to hear from you because you just love on them. And and being with you is better than any medicine. It just makes them feel better. Some of you have the gift of administration. You can just organize the snot out of stuff. You just make things more efficient. You help things run better. Some of you have the spiritual gift of mercy. When someone hurts, you feel it with them. And they feel loved when you're around them. Some of you have the gift of teaching. Some of you, you may have the gift of of making chocolate peanut butter treats for your pastor during Pastor Appreciation Month. I don't know. It's a valuable spiritual gift. But God will give you these gifts, both to use within your church and also to make a difference in our world. I'll tell you about one of the gifts that God has given me, and it's a little bit weird. I don't really understand it fully. But I have an ability, an uncanny ability to recognize people who are called into pastoral ministry. I don't know how, but I see someone, and it's almost like there's a flashing like neon sign on their forehead, and God is just calling them. I just see it. He's calling them into pastoral ministry. Since I became your guy's pastor about three years ago, I I felt the Spirit of God strongly say about numerous people in our church, you know, that God has called this person to be a pastor. In fact, I think the leadership board for our church might get freaked out sometimes because I keep encouraging people to pursue ministry and get a local minister's license, which is the first step towards pastoral ministry. They're thinking, we're not that big a church, and we got like a dozen people who are called to be pastors here. I'm like, sorry, it's a God thing. I don't, I don't understand it. We all have gifts. It might be a little weird like that, or you know, it might just be natural, like serving. But it's a gift that God gave you to use in his church and in the world. And understand this. If this is your church home, if you consider this place to be your church home and you've got a gift and you're not using it, then there's something that God wants to do here that's not being done. He's gifted you with spiritual gifts to make a difference. So use them. Now let's talk about two pieces of spirit-filled advice, and then we'll, we'll wrap up for today, okay? Two pieces of advice. If you want to jot them down, we're going to get a little practical. Number one is this. Number one, don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Well, how can I resist him? Well, for those of you who, who are believers, you know there are times when the Spirit of God prompts you and speaks to you. You feel something deep inside you, this spiritual pull, this I really believe God wants me to do this. I I believe God wants me to talk to this person, to share my faith with them, to pray with them. God wants me to, to give generously here. God wants me to volunteer or help or serve or go on a mission trip or, or do something. And at that moment, when you feel that pull from the Holy Spirit of God, you have a choice to make in your life. You can obey the prompting of the Spirit, or you can say, eh, 
that probably wasn't God. That was probably just a bad burrito I had for lunch. By the way, I really don't want to do that anyway. That sounds uncomfortable. And you can resist the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Think of it this way. My wife, Julie, is the absolute love of my life. But she won't leave me alone. She's always flirting with me, trying to steal kisses, always making moves, always moves all the time, every day. It's tiring, okay? Guys, all the guys here, you know what I'm talking about. Women, they only think about one thing, right? Right? But just imagine, if you will, she's always pursuing me, always chasing me, every day, and I resist her. Day after day after day after day, I shut her down, constantly pushing her away, constantly showing her and indicating to her that I'm not interested. What do you think she'll eventually do? Eventually, she'll probably stop pursuing, won't she? Which would be a horrible thing for our marriage. In the same way, if you continue to resist the Holy Spirit, you can actually damage that relationship. Did you know that? Scripture says that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. If you resist enough, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to go, why don't I feel close to God anymore? How come I can't sense the Spirit of God in my life? Because you've resisted so much that your heart has gotten hard. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Number two, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says it like this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, instead, be filled with the Spirit. What does alcohol do when you drink enough of it? It changes you, right? It, it will make you do things that maybe if you were sober, you wouldn't do. It takes control, okay? If you drink enough of it, you might pass out and you won't even remember the things that you've done. But God's word teaches, don't let some substance in this world control you. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God so that he controls you, so that he leads you, so that he guides you, so that he convicts you. When I was a senior in high school, um, my faith in God really started to take off. It was around that time that I decided I didn't just want to be a, a born-again Christian and have Jesus as my Savior, but I was really contemplating, God, God I, I want you to be the Lord of my life. God, I want to release things to you. I want to make you first. And so at the end of senior year, a couple of buddies of mine who were also trying to follow Jesus, we got together for senior week and we went to the beach at Ocean City, Maryland. That's kind of where all the, the seniors would go at the end of the school year down to, to the beach in Ocean City. And while most of our other friends were getting drunk and partying, um, we decided that we, we were gonna try to love on and minister to our friends who weren't Christians. And we started sharing our faith and loving on our drunk friends and driving them places and being designated drivers and things like that. But we, were, we were a little crazy. We were, we were crazy for God. In fact, one night on the boardwalk, we started talking to some drunk guys about Jesus, and we even started to teach them some worship songs from youth group. 
know how many of you grew up in the church, but, you know, they teach you hand motions to, to songs at teen camp and stuff like that. We were teaching them Pharaoh, Pharaoh and some other different songs. And we're on the boardwalk dancing and singing songs to God with a bunch of drunk guys. And as we're doing this, a police officer comes over, tells us all to stop, has us sit down on the, on the stone wall on the side of the boardwalk, and he proceeds to start giving everyone a breathalyzer test because he thinks we're all drunk. But we were the soberest people on the boardwalk at senior week. And we're like, officer, we're not drunk. We're just high on the Holy Spirit. And he laughed. He didn't believe us until the test came back. And they were negative. And he was like, you guys aren't drunk. And then we started talking to him about Jesus and what we were trying to do. See, I, I pray that we'll be a church full of people who are high on the Holy Spirit. He gives us the power. He gives us the direction. He gives us the ability to do all the things that he calls us to do. And when the Holy Spirit fills your life, he will give you power, the power to please God in every single way. And he will give you the power to be able to live a holy life and to be able to have victory over sin, and to make a difference in your church and in the world. Can we pray together, church? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Would you touch us? Would you move freely in this place? Would you empower us as followers of Jesus to live extraordinary, spirit-filled lives. There's some of us here this morning that might say, you know, I'm a believer, but pastor, if I'm being honest, I'm not living with that kind of power in my life. But I believe it's real. God, I want it. And if that's you today, you would say, you know what, God, I just want more if you're Holy Spirit in my life. I need that in my life. If that's you this morning, would you just be bold and just lift up a hand and say, that's me, would you pray for me? I need more of the spirit in my life. Praise God. Praise God. So many people this morning. God, I thank you for so many people who are hungry for more of you. I pray for those who have people they love and maybe they don't know how to share their faith. Come upon them boldly, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that, that you would break strongholds and you would break addictions and you would break patterns of sin. God, even those who have very practical struggles, I pray that you would be strong where they're weak. We ask that your Holy Spirit would reveal to us just who you are and how much you love us. I also wanna pray this morning for, for those sitting here who, who maybe would say, you know what? I'm still on the fence. I'm still kind of seeking and searching. I don't know what I believe about God. I don't know what I believe about Jesus. I want to remind you today again that the Holy Spirit gives us the power of salvation, that God's provenient grace is at work in your life, even if you don't recognize it. Even if you don't acknowledge him, God acknowledges you. He loves you. He cares about you. He cares about your life. He cares about your future. And you don't have to clean yourself up before you can meet Jesus. 
He's ready to meet you exactly where you are. And all he says is follow me, follow me. So if today you wanna take a first step of faith and you wanna make a decision to say, Jesus, I love you. Thanks for loving me first. I believe today that you're the son of God. I believe that you died, you willingly died for me and you rose again so that I could live with you forever, that I could be born again as you told Nicodemus 2,000 years ago. And I want the power of your Holy Spirit in my life. If that's you today, you can claim that. And if that's you this morning, I, I just wanna lead you in a prayer and there's nothing magical about this prayer at all. It's just a way for, for you to be able to speak to God what's going on in your mind and your heart right now. Maybe right now your heart is beating so hard. It's about to beat out of your chest. That's the Holy Spirit of God at work in your life, speaking to you, drawing you towards Jesus. So would you pray this if that's you today? Would you pray, Heavenly Father, thanks for loving me. Thanks for meeting me right where I'm at. God, I'm not perfect. I've done wrong in my life. But today I wanna to move my faith off of myself and what I've done. And I wanna place my faith on your son Jesus and what he did for me. I believe Jesus died for my sins and I believe he rose again so that I could live in a personal relationship with you forever. Thanks for loving me first, God. Today I love you. I give you my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, can we celebrate the work that God is doing in lives people? If you made a decision to receive Christ, um, don't keep that a secret. Like, let some people know who you're here with. Come and talk to me or one of the pastoral staff. We'd love to hear from you. If you're watching online, you know, send us a note, send us an email. We want to celebrate that because that's really the very first step in an incredible, incredible journey with God that's going to go on for the rest of your life and into eternity, and it deserves to be celebrated. Church, can we stand together and let's, let's continue to sing and worship God.
Father, I pray blessings upon these, your people today. Lord God, as always, we ask you to give us 
the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard today about the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then God, give us the courage to take action. For some of us, it's about full surrender. It's about saying, yeah, God, you can have it all. I want you to have first place in my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live a life of victory, a victory over sin, a life of holiness, and I can be more and more like your son, Jesus. God, give us the courage to make the changes we need to, to make the decisions we need to, so that again, we can move from the smaller story of us to the greater story, the greater future, the greater eternity that you have for us. We love you and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise today in the powerful name of your son. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you guys. Hope you have an awesome week. Hope to see you here back next week as we continue in part three of Spiritual Warfare. I also want to let you know if you are interested in taking ownership class with myself and Pastor Nancy, you can go right out that door, uh, last last room at the end of the hallway. We're going to start in about 10 minutes at 11.15. We promise we will have you home for NFL football and all that kind of stuff, but we would love to see you in ownership class. God bless. Oh, come to